Good morning and welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are with us. And we actually say two things. One, happy Friday. The other is happy December 1st. Can you believe we are actually at the beginning of December? Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I think I've mentioned this before. This year has just absolutely zipped by. Has that been your experience as well to uh, now find ourselves in a place where we're just within uh, viewing distance of, yes, Christmas Day, just a few weeks off? It's absolutely amazing how quickly this year has gone by. Hope this week, this year, this season is going well for you we have a lot in store for you during the course of this broadcast including faith focus friday and we're going to really shake things up with this faith focus friday this one will address probably one of the sacred cows in the evangelical community i'm not going to tell you what it is i'm just going to tell you it is a sacred cow And we will indeed delve into that during the course of the broadcast today. I promise you, you will find it quite intriguing and provocative as well. Also, a conversation on what's going on with the Carolina Panthers. As you know, Frank Reich is out. We now are in a season of trying to find and identify. Nothing will happen on this front actively. Because it's not possible until the end of the season, but the search for the next coach. Who will it be? Some very interesting names have been circulating out there. There are three names in particular getting a lot of attention. And we'll have a conversation about this coming up a little bit later on. As, once again, we find a team that will not be in the playoffs and uh, certainly nowhere near <laughs> possibility of uh, going for the prize. Maybe one of these days in the future. We told you yesterday about the health crisis going on in China, now spreading into Europe. Now we're having a conversation about the United States of America because already this illness is in this country. They're calling it a mystery wave of child pneumonia. We will tell you what this is about and why there is such concern about this. I want to begin with some breaking news that's just developed in the past few minutes. We have learned about the passing of the very first woman on the Supreme Court. I'm referring to Sandra Day O'Connor. It was kind of interesting, just as we were about to begin this broadcast, Fox broke in with this breaking news story, and I saw this picture, and... I don't know about you. Do you find yourself with warm, warm thoughts and feelings when you see people who are um, really giants 
in our republic. There was a picture of Ronald Reagan with Sandra Day O'Connor. He is the one who appointed her to the court back in 1981. You look at this picture and you just think, these were giants. They stand out. They definitely stand out. And they served well in the seasons where they were called to serve. That was the sentiment that was going through my mind as I saw that picture. There will be all kinds of conversation, I'm sure, about her accomplishments and about the impact on the court. And appropriately so. It's kind of interesting. I mentioned Ronald Reagan. They also just showed a bit ago a picture of former President Barack Obama. I assume presenting her with a Medal of Freedom Award some years ago. By the way, Sandra Day O'Connor passed away at the age of 93. That's one of the things that I'm very gratified by that this is a woman who is able to live a long and productive life. CBS characterizes her this way as a woman who blazed a trail as the first woman to sit on the Supreme Court. Died of complications related to advanced dementia, probably Alzheimer's and respiratory illness. She withdrew from public life back in 2018 after she was diagnosed with dementia. A daughter of the American Southwest, Sandra Day O'Connor, blazed an historic trail as our nation's first female justice. This is what Chief Justice John Roberts said in a statement. She met that challenge with undaunted determination, indisputable ability, and engaging candor. We, the Supreme Court, mourn the loss of a beloved colleague, a fiercely independent defender of the rule of law, and an eloquent advocate for civics education. And we celebrate her enduring legacy as a true public service servant and patriot. I mentioned Ms. O'Connor was appointed to the Supreme Court by Ronald Reagan, 1981. During her 24-year tenure on the court, often at its center, a crucial swing vote in decisive cases and divisive cases, for that matter, including those involving abortion and affirmative action. More than 15 years after O'Connor stepped down from the Supreme Court, its expanded conservative majority would go on to reverse the landmark decisions that recognized the constitutional right to abortion and upheld race-conscious college admissions programs. O'Connor was also in the 5-4 to four majority in the 2000 case Bush versus Gore. Boy, was that a critical decision. Deciding the election for George W. Bush. She would go on to express doubts about the court's decision to intervene in the election dispute, telling the Chicago Tribune in 2013, may the court, maybe the court should have said, we're not going to take it. Goodbye. Hmm. Kind of interesting second thoughts expressed by Sandra Day O'Connor, who, as we mentioned, has passed away at the age of 93. A lot to talk about during the course of the broadcast. One of the other big stories. I love the opportunity 
for people to see the difference between liberalism and conservatism. And this is why I frankly would have relished a DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom presidential contest. And frankly, that could still happen. Well, we had a preview of what that might look like with the debate last night coming up. And we're back at the Vince Coakley radio program here at 20 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. You're feeling that chill in the air. You know, nothing worse than a chill in the air. One thing worse than that is rain, which is expected later today. It is time, though, for the 30th annual Hancock's Bikes for Kids. We're asking you to join the spirit of giving started by John Hancock. Donate a new bike for a child in need this Christmas. We'll gather a week from today, Friday, December 8th, here at WBT. And all of the WBT personalities will be on hand to say hello. Hancock's Bikes for Kids presented in partnership with WBTV. It's Friday, December 8th, 5 to 9 p.m. Sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. Visit WBT.com for more details. You know, one of the things I love and appreciate is the opportunity to have a sensible conversation and debate on issues It's something that's really desperately needed in our country right now. One of the unfortunate things is there are so many distractions away from the real issues. To me, the fundamental issues relate to constitutional values. And a lot of what's experienced in the real world, it's really on the state level. The state's they're having to deal with real-life problems. How do they work these things out? That's where your real experiments in democracy are hammered out. So I was very encouraged when I heard about this debate that was coming between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis, which you're going to hear a little bit of in just a bit. Before I go into that, I have another piece of breaking news to tell you about. It's something else that we desperately need. It's another legal case for Donald Trump. I'm being facetious, of course. Washington Post is now reporting that Trump can be sued by police and lawmakers who were injured during the January 6th Capitol attack. This is a new ruling from a court of appeals. Officers and members of Congress injured during the Capitol riot They've sued Donald Trump, saying his speech instigated violence by his supporters. The former president's lawyers have argued he has immunity, conferred on a president performing official duties. But this appeals court has now ruled this lawsuit can go forward. Another headache, I'm sure, for the former president. Well, stay tuned on this one as it joins the stack of other cases, criminal and civil that continue to circulate around Donald Trump. I first want to let you hear a compilation of debate highlights from yesterday evening. This was on the Sean Hannity show, 
by all accounts, a very enjoyable debate and one that really allowed you to see the contrast between the states, a red state and a blue state. So without further ado, we'll let you hear about three minutes of highlights from yesterday evening's debate. Listen up. Joe Biden is sitting on his hands. He refuses to take care of the border. He refuses to hold the drug cartels accountable. This is the vision of Biden, Harris, Newsom. I support border security. I think the asylum system is broken. I believe that we I need... I understand that. I, I'm, the one that, I'm the only guy here that's a border state governor. You're trolling folks and trying to find migrants to play political games to try to get some news and attention so you can out-Trump Trump. And by the way, how's that going for you, Ron? You're down 41 points in your own home state. Everybody? Biden administration, the last three years, it's is, been a master Joe class Biden job you tonight. 3.9%. I thought this was state versus state. Three point, no, but it's about the United States of America. I thought this guy was running for president of the United States. If you are running too. For a you just won't admit running it. For a third you just, you just, just like won't admit it. You will third. not admit it. Is Joe Biden experiencing this cognitive decline? Is it a danger to the country? Do you find when he speaks, what is your reaction to it? Yes, he's in decline. Yes, it's a danger to the country. He has no business running for president. And, you know, Gavin Newsom agrees with that. He won't say that. That's why he's running his shadow campaign. We'll take Joe Biden at 100 versus Ron DeSantis any day of the week at any age. You had quarantines. You had quarantines. You had checkpoints all over the state of of Florida. By the way, I didn't say that. Donald Trump laid you out on this. Dead to right. You that's did that. True. You followed science. You followed Fauci. That's Ron not, that's not he followed science. That's not he true. followed. You had more kids locked out of school for a longer period of time in California than anywhere else in the country. It was the working class kids. It was the middle income kids. His kids were in private school. They were in class. We'll in get, person. We'll get, slow down. I want everyone to be heard. If I can ask you, I really do want this to breathe. I want this debate to breathe. I want it to organically developed. Uh, to do that, I need both your cooperation. I don't want to be a hall monitor. It's not my style, all right? This is a book that's in some of the schools in California, Florida, this is not consistent with our standards, called Gender Queer. I, it's, some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children. Uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools. Those books, do you believe that's appropriate for school districts to teach kids? Yes or no? Not, come on, those aren't. That's not part of the curriculum. They're not Excuse teaching me, those kids are the, that. That's that was, those it. are books that were no, in school. Hold on, hold on. The bottom line is, you are on a book banning binge. Your state, one thousand four hundred and six books, three thousand three hundred and sixty-two in this country. You didn't answer. Florida's what about leading, those no, books? <laughs> that's not. We don't provide for K through third grade education, that kind of curriculum. It's just made up. These guys make it up. It's part of this cultural purge. Should it it's be? It's just a you, made what grade, up agenda. What grade would it be what acceptable? I find, but what I find what offensive, Sean and Ron, what I find offensive is the a very significant number of these books happen to be LGBTQ books. Joe Biden is in the pocket of the teachers union, and so is Kamala Harris. That's why they fought by the way, school it's not openings Kamala Harris. When, when he Shame came in you, there. It's Kamala when they had Harris, that in Ron. It's Kamala Biden came Harris. Into office, Madam and he Vice brought in President teacher to you and to be able to. This, he is, needs it. this is a map of San Francisco. <laughs> There's a lot of plots on that. You may be asking, what is that plotting? Well, this is an app <laughs> where they plot the human feces that are found on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> Isn't this hilarious? This is great stuff. <laughs> this gives you 
A true contrast. I mean, this is the bait, the conversation we need to have. Do you want to live in red state or blue state America? That's the real question. And one side has to win here. One side will win next year in the presidential contest. And I dare say, um, don't completely rule out the possibility. This will be the lineup for next year. I don't care what people are saying about Joe Biden, how he's going to stay in, how it's too late for this or that. Uh, Gavin Newsom, this guy is running. I think it was Joe Manchin who characterized this as a shadow campaign for president. Well, last night he came out of the shadows, didn't he? We'll talk more about this and get your thoughts on this debate. What did you think? And much more as we continue our Friday broadcast. We also have a dynamite Faith Focus Friday. I have to warn you, this one is going to blow a few circuits as well. Something you may have heard about conversion. Well, Steve Crosby is going to blow it up. We'll talk about that much more as we continue. Back of the Vince Coakley radio program. Did you watch the debate yesterday evening between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom? Did you enjoy the debate? Did you find it to be educational, informative, inspiring? Is there any particular person you believe won that debate yesterday evening? And one of the questions also raised here. There's more at stake right now for Ron DeSantis. Gavin Newsom has all kinds of time. All kinds of time. Because for right now, Joe Biden's not stepping out. For now. But the time, the window of time that Ron DeSantis is going to need to close the deal. His window of time is closing. He's got to seal the deal on the Republican side, can he do it is the question. I want to get some perspective on this particular contest yesterday evening. One of the people that Sean Hannity talked with after this debate was the former advisor in the White House, Ari Fleischer. I think he served during the Bush administration. And... He had some really good comments about how this debate really provided a great contrast between Democrats and Republicans. Listen up. I, I think watching this, you just realize Democrats are from Mars and Republicans are from Venus. I mean, they speak totally <laughs> different languages. Ron DeSantis's language was one of economics, gasoline, six, seven dollars a gallon, the lockdowns in California. It was very practical, very focused on people's daily lives, the rising cost of living. If you listen to Gavin Newsom, his whole message was identity politics, which is the language of the Democrats. I don't like the way you talk about migrants. Uh, we have to fight for women. Everything he says is about a group, an ethnic group, a chunk of Americans. It's not about America. And that's the language that Democrats respond to. So you really have two different approaches for what America needs. 
very different approaches to what America needs. There's also some interesting analysis here on these two guys and how they came across. One of the things that I just mentioned to you, it's Ron DeSantis, who really has a lot at stake now because he needs to start winning contests beginning with the primaries that are coming up just really we're getting down to a point we can say weeks from now Ron DeSantis it's clear he is running a shadow campaign here is the analysis from Ari Fleischer on Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis and their futures. Gavin Newsom is much more articulate, fast on his feet, and sharper than Joe Biden. And if I'm a Democrat looking at the presidential race, even if I dismiss Ron DeSantis, I have to still worry about Joe Biden. And that's a difference in, a, in just Biden's age, Sean, as you pointed that out. The final thing I'll say about DeSantis, I don't think that he closed the gap with Donald Trump tonight. It was a nice night for him, and he did well, and he had the facts on his side. But when you look at the purpose of him being there, which is to win a presidential race, I just don't think he closed the gap. In fact, Slate, Slate magazine has this headline, Fox News helped Ron DeSantis as much as it could in his debate with Gavin Newsom. It wasn't enough. This seems to be the chorus that we're hearing after last night's debate. This is a position a lot of people seem to be taking that he really needs, at this point, a game changer to stay in this thing. Already he's lost a very important endorsement the endorsement this week that went to instead former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley so between those two people if there's going to be a person who gets this nomination other than Donald Trump those two are gonna to have to fight it out who is going to prevail who would you like to prevail in that particular contest we will talk about that as we continue a little bit later on We'll have a conversation about what's taking place around the world. This pneumonia that started off in China. We expressed the concern about what's happening in China and in Europe. Well, what's here in the United States of America as well. Two states in particular reporting a spike in child pneumonia cases. We'll tell you where this is happening. And also the ceasefire between Israel and the terrorist group that has caused so much death and destruction, Hamas. That truce is over with, and live conflict is back on. We'll tell you about that and much more as we continue our broadcast. Also, an expulsion vote for a member of Congress. It could happen during the course of this broadcast. So stay with us for that. A lot of breaking news going on. We're also following the likely explosion of George Santos. Remember him? He's the guy who I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning. I don't know if this guy knows who he is. The guy's other than saying he's a fraud. I don't know what else, what else we would call him. That vote is coming up today. Possible expulsion. 
in store for George Santos. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Right now, I want to draw your attention to a couple of very interesting articles in Panther's Wire. The first one, this headline. Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, amongst the odds-on favorites for Panthers' head coaching job. Hmm. Wouldn't that be interesting to see either one of those guys coming to Charlotte? And we also have this headline. Greg Olson addresses his reported interests in Panthers' head coaching job. Does he really want this thing? Well, he was on the Rich Eisen show yesterday. Here's a direct quote. Best thing I would say is, who wouldn't? Obviously, this is a city I love, a team that I play the bulk of my career for. I want to see them have success. I live here. My kids are here. We want to see the Carolina Panthers return to the level we were able to have a good five, six-year run where we were one of the more relevant, one of the better stories in the NFL year in and year out playing the playoffs. Of course, I want that for them. Hmm. Greg Olson. So, how do we sort all of this out? Well, we call upon our good friend, Chris McClain, from the Mac and Bone Show, WFNZ, to uh, provide some perspective for us. Good morning. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Vince. What's going on? Hey, what do you think of these names I've thrown out thus far? Um, How likely that we'll see either one of these guys as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers? First of all, you picked out the three, uh, the three most interesting, obviously, right? Like, I, I, you, you can't do, you know, any better in terms of like fan interest than talking about an all-time great player, talking about one of the best college coaches in the game, who, oh, by the way, went to the Super Bowl, and then, of course, maybe the best coach in the history of the NFL. First, first of all, least likely is definitely Greg Olson. Um, and, and, and I listened to that interview on the Rich Eisen show. I love Greg, man. I think he's awesome. I think all Panther fans love him. Um, but he, the way he kind of, the way he's going about this is kind of like, if David Tepper called me, you know, yeah, I'd be interested, right? And, and as you read the quote, I love the team. I would love to try to usher them back to glory. But it's, he went on to kind of say later in the interview, it's not like I'm like seeking this out. You know, he's got the job at Fox that he loves. So for that, that one seems like, although with David Tepper, I wouldn't put anything past him in terms of who he'd be interested in. The Belichick and, and Harbaugh things, man, both those things to me have merit. I know for a fact I've been told by multiple sources that Jim Harbaugh called David Tepper, not just once, but multiple times last offseason when the Panthers hmm. ultimately hired Frank Reich. And it was Jim Harbaugh that was lobbying David Tepper. He wanted to coach the team, and at that point, David Tepper said thanks, but no thanks. Um, so I know that they've talked last year, and Harbaugh was interested in the job. Um, and as far as Belichick, there's a real good re- reporter named Ben Violin in Boston um, who has intel and sources close to Belichick that say that he would be interested in this job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Harbaugh and Belichick things, I think there's definitely smoke there with those two. When you talk about Harbaugh, this really intrigues me because a lot of people would raise the question, why in the world would he not be the person chosen in the first place? No, I think, yeah. I mean, you look at his accomplishments in both college and pro football. I think one of the problems with David, with, uh, with uh, Jim Harbaugh, he's got a reputation for being hard to deal with. I mean, when, you know, when he went to that Super Bowl in San Francisco, well, it quickly ended after that. 
because he and ownership and management there had a falling out. It got nasty between the two of them. He's tough to work with, and he can really grate on you. And I don't know if David Tepper looked at that um, and, you know, didn't want any part of that. Obviously, David Tepper probably, you know, maybe he he doesn't want to work with a coach that's going to push back. You know, maybe he wants to hire guys where he can go and, and kind of meddle and impose his will and not get that pushback. I wonder if he'd be more interested this time around. You know, does he feel more desperate this time around? So that one would be fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that Harbaugh was begging and David Tepper, no, I'm going to go hire Frank Reich. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm trying to laugh. Um, uh rather than cry when we think yeah, about what has happened do, in this time. <laughs> I know. What is actually going on now? Because in our last conversation, you indicated there are there is a limitation on what uh, can be done until the end of the season. Can What can they do? What can they talk about? Can anybody have a conversation at all on any of this? I mean, it's hard not to look at the way the Panthers. If you're saying in terms of head coaching, yes, in terms of oh, yeah. uh, the possibility. I mean, obviously they can't formally wheel and deal now or make any yeah, yeah. any okay. formal so, agreements. But what can they do? Well, it would, it would be kind of the back channel stuff. You know what I mean? Where David Tepper has someone reach out, maybe to Bill Belichick's agent. You know, and uh, that stuff definitely goes on. But formally, like. There can't be an interview until, you know, with, with guys that are under contract with other NFL teams until January 22nd. So we got a ways to go. But there will be the back channel stuff. Like, and I think the Boston Globe stuff about Belichick, like, I don't think that's a coincidence. You know, the writer cites sources close to Belichick. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick wanted that out there so that David Tepper knows, okay, woo. The great Bill Belichick might be interested. You know, I think that, you know, stuff like that, you know, you kind of plan a plan a story to try to, you know, kind of let the owner know how you're feeling, even if you can't actually legally talk. So there'll probably be a lot of that stuff going on. Jim Harbaugh, too, is, uh, you know, one, one win away from getting Michigan back to the college football playoff. So he's going to be tied up. Um, through, you know, the end of January with that, at least into February if they make the national title game. So we've got a ways to go on those guys. That The only way you could talk to someone is if they were not, you know, currently employed by an NFL team or with a college team who weren't playing in the playoffs. Um, but I don't think any of the candidates are going to fall in that. So we've got a ways to go until this is going to play out. All right, before we go here in our final seconds, I'm going to put you on the spot. You have to make a choice right now. Who do you want as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers? I would not mind Harbaugh. Belichick I'm a little leery of because I think he's going to want personnel say to be the GM too, and he's done that in New England. And he's he's actually – Bill Belichick, the GM, has been Bill Belichick, the coach's worst enemy the last few years. Uh, but I think it's going to be the coordinator route. I think when all said and done – I think they'll end up going like the coordinator route, end up hiring somebody that, you know, is an offensive mind. 
I think Bobby Slowick, he's the offensive coordinator in Houston. He's working wonders and miracles with C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback that many Panther fans now wish we had. <laughs> I think it's possible that we reach out to him and say, hey, do you want to work those, you know, that magic with, with Bryce Young? I, I, th- I think that's a possibility. Ben Johnson, Detroit offense coordinator, he said no to Tepper, wouldn't even interview with us last year. But you know David Tepper ain't going to take no for an answer. He's going to be back with a big bag. I think it's most likely that it's more of an unknown offensive coordinator type than those big names. Okay. That that helps us a great deal. Chris McClain, Mac well, and Bone Show. Know? Yes. What well, do I know? I you know wins for the Panthers this year. You so know. Do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn this thing around in the next couple of months. What do you think? I, I'm, Sounds good, man. I'm with you on that, man. Have a great weekend. <laughs> You too, Dave. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, any of these names excite you? Or do you think what uh, Chris McClain has described here is the likely scenario? Someone we do not even know will rise to the occasion, and that person will become the new head coach. Stay tuned for this one. Faith Focus Friday is straight ahead. You've heard in the news, George Santos is out, setting the stage for a special election in New York. The vote, by the way, 311 to 114. Now, someone who was talking to me during the break indicated that a lot of Democrats voted to allow him to stay. I'll be very intrigued to see the breakdown on these numbers. But again, bipartisan vote overall, 311 to 114. So, adios. Um, Man who doesn't know who he is. Uh, This is just, it's sad. It really is. My hope is that uh, the state of New York somehow gets an upgrade. And the person who ends up replacing this guy is someone with good character. (laughs) Wishful thinking on my part, but I'm just saying, just putting that out there. Still to come in the broadcast, we are going to talk about this very intriguing situation going on with health. What is going on with these pneumonia cases? Now we have this issue in the United States of America. We'll deal with this coming up in just a few minutes. First, I want to begin on the subject of true conversion. I want to be very clear in my comments at the very beginning here. I'm not, I'm not a shock jock. I don't say things just to shock people. But I do say things that I firmly believe in and I think are very important to be considered this is not new for me uh, but it's actually something that goes really all the way back to maybe 20s my 20s 30s where I came to a place of officially rejecting first off I do not I'm just going to be very blunt. I do not like 
the concept of promoting a so-called sinner's prayer. I do not like it at all. I do not like the phraseology of receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I do not. I think, unfortunately, what's happened in much of Western alleged Christianity is what we've ended up with is Madison Avenue marketing of ideas and concepts that are, at best, half-truths that don't get to the heart and to the core of what I believe God was after. So, this is not to denigrate anybody who has prayed a sinner's prayer, or if you've asked Jesus into your heart as your personal Savior, I, 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 this, all of this language, it, it gets under my skin. It really is disturbing to me because it's all very, uh, frankly, artificial and plastic. And it misrepresents, from my perspective, what God is looking to do with a people. To further drive this home... I love the message communicated by Dr. Steve Crosby on the subject of true conversion. You can search scripture high and low and never find a phrase that says that asking Jesus into your heart is evidence of being saved. Yep. You can find lots of references, including from the lips of Jesus, that new behavioral ethics is proof. I will give you just one. Zacchaeus. Jesus says, This day, salvation has come to this household. This day, salvation has come to this household. What is he talking about? Why, asked Steve Crosby? Because of Zacchaeus' change in attitude and behavior about his amassed money and attitude toward the poor, not because of a mystical private inner experience wow doesn't this go to the heart and core of much of what we're doing in so-called american western christianity this privatized stuff steve goes on very practical very relational very actionable very visible american christians should deeply reflect on this why do evangelicals make Jesus' private conversation with Nicodemus universal for every human being, even though Jesus gave three people three different answers to the same question about what they had to do to inherit eternal life? Why is only John 3 supposedly mandatory on every human, but the other two are not? Because the other two deal with our money, the rich young ruler, and our relationships the Good Samaritan. Visible things on planet Earth that we don't want touched. Is this true? Our money and our relationships. Americans have rights, you know. Rights to my privacy. And rights to privacy about my money. Apparently Jesus was an American. Or he went to the wrong seminary. The evangelical use of John 3 is mandatory because it is invisible and private.
It provides people a false assurance in an ethically non-transformative conversion. Ouch. I am with Steve wholeheartedly on this. And just to clarify, I don't believe in taking one of these accounts. I believe of taking believe in taking all three. There's truth in all three and they all need to be combined. We've got to take Yes, there is that inner working of personal relationship being born again. There is that dealing with the issue of money and relationships from our heart. They all go together. So, I'd love to get your thoughts. I would suggest this is one of the reasons why we're at a place where we have such feckless alleged Christianity. It's not the world has gotten worse. Well, it has. <laughs> it's the salt has lost its savor. And this is one of the reasons why we don't even understand what the savor is. Well, now we know as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program coming up. I'm going to deal with a very important subject, and it relates to our mental health, an often neglected subject. I'm going to tell you what has been on the rise here in this country. Also, I'm going to share a social media post from a friend of mine who really gives us very strong challenge about relationships and our lack of them. All right, music lovers out there, boy, do I have a deal for you. How about caller number seven? What is it for? To win two tickets to the Glenn Miller Orchestra Concert, Ovens Auditorium, Sunday, December 17th, 3 p.m. Caller number seven wins the prize, Glenn Miller Orchestra. Isn't it amazing they're still around after all these years? It's, it's kind of cool to see this. I uh, One of my favorite music channels, by the way, that I listen to is a um, jazz channel. It's called Real Jazz. It's, it's really good stuff. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because I listen to smooth jazz and real jazz. <laughs> Quite a contrast between the two. The Glenn Miller music would be more in the real jazz category. So, any case, if you are interested in that concert, I'm sure you will have an awesome time checking out the music there. I might have to go myself. Uh, that would be a very different concert experience for sure. want to talk about a very important subject that is um, near and dear to my heart. And one of the reasons is I I just increasingly find a lot of people in distress. I think I've mentioned to you, uh, I went through a season like a few months ago, like within a week, I was talking to two suicidal people. Uh, there's another person who reached out to me some days ago. In fact, I just heard from this person again today. And um, 
it's so difficult dealing with people who are in um, if if, I, if you don't mind me saying this I'm just gonna come out and say it now because I, I think it's important for others I'm not exposing anybody because you don't have any idea who I'm talking about but in the course of the conversation uh, with this person by text and and this text is really not the best way to communicate and I want to make that very clear that that I know that and understand that in this context this person who kept pre pressing me for communication where I was not able to communicate I called out this person's self-pity because this is at the core of a lot of these thoughts and feelings it's self-pity it is deadly I'm trying to remember someone had a really good definition of self-pity I need to see if I can find that but anyway I want to make this point uh, when you're in that state you don't even know and, and this person was very offended by what I said and I'm, I'm at the place of peace now and and do not take this wrongly uh, I still have a heart for this person and I'm praying that uh, supernaturally God would intervene and bring this person to a place of health and encouragement and hope um, one of the problems that people have is they are looking to human beings to provide much more than human beings can ever provide this is one of the beauties of the message of Jesus where he says um, <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought here lo I am with you always always even till the end of the earth always this consistency is so important you know I'm not I understand I'm not preaching a sermon here I just think this is so important we've got to keep coming back to this because we don't have any guarantees of anything whether it's relationships wealth property I think of that song um, I cannot remember the name of the song but I remember the lyrics let goods and kindred go this mortal life also the body they may kill this truth endureth still so important I bring this up because of some new information we've learned LA Times reports suicides in the US hit a historic high last year driven by an increase among older adults not this isn't either in fact I saw that among younger people there's been improvement here rising rates of suicide among older adults drove the number of such deaths to a historic high even a suicide decline among youth 49,000 people died by suicide last year across the country highest tally recorded for the nation the latest evidence of a troubling trend in the US where suicide has been on the rise for much of the 21st century it fell somewhat between 2018 and 20 then resumed its upward trend alarming health officials after adjusting the raw numbers to account for the age distribution of American CDC researchers found the nation's suicide rate last year 14.3 deaths per 100,000 a level not seen since are you ready for this 1941 what was going on in 1941? Wartime. Depression. 
The rate is based on preliminary figures for suicide deaths expected to increase as 2022 deaths continue to be assessed, and more of them are classified as suicides. The growing numbers propelled by rising rates of suicide among people 35 or older. Between 2021 and 22, rates actually fell among those younger than 25, but rose significantly for many groups of older adults. What is going on here? We're going to talk more about this coming up, and I'll have some personal thoughts on this subject. And I think a post from a friend of mine also touches on something very important. It kind of flies in the face of what I shared earlier. It's not a contradiction. It's really kind of a paradox. One of those things that has to be considered. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Before the break, I was talking with you about these new numbers, very disturbing numbers on suicide. Here's something very significant. The gender gap. It's wide. 23.1 deaths per 100,000 men. You know what it is for women? It's only 5.9. So the rate for suicide is almost four times. Four times the amount for men than it is for women. Elderly men, especially at high risk. Among men, 75 and older, suicide rate, 43.7 deaths per 100,000. My goodness. Roughly twice as high. As for young males, 15 to 24, which is 21.6 deaths per 100,000. Jill Harkavy Friedman, Senior Vice President of Research for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. People don't realize depression is not a normal part of aging. And the older people can access treatment for it. Older people often face chronic conditions and pain and may also endure social isolation, which can also be affected by hearing loss. Connection is really important. In addition, older people may feel embarrassed that they have to seek help for the way they're feeling mentally because they grew up in a time where stoicism was important in their life. Is this true of you, your family? For older men in particular, work often provides them with their meaning and purpose in their life, and when they no longer have that work to keep them, that's a loss. Though suicide was much less common, much less common among women than men, the age-adjusted rate for women rose 4%, compared with 1% for men. Part of the reason I'm mentioning this, not just the fact this study has come out, but it's also holiday season. And I know for people who are depressed, it's especially a challenging season of life. Very challenging. People who are depressed, it's, for some, I know who deal with this on a regular basis, it's almost like it is multiplied around the holiday season. And especially for people in isolation who don't have many relationships, friendships. What I want to encourage you to do, as I've said before, there's a number you can call if you are at crisis stage. I would encourage you to take advantage of that. That is 
988-988-988. So all you have to do. That will get you the help you need immediately. If it's not immediate, immediate, I would encourage you, reach out to someone you can trust and begin building, connecting with someone who can walk you through this time. It might be someone in ministry. It might just be a good listener. I want you to not hear what I'm not saying. Okay, I want to be very clear about this. But I am especially very sensitive to this because my own experience of the past few years. This has been a probably the most challenging season of my life, the last four years. And uh, I'll be honest in saying it's not over, not over yet. And first and foremost... It's my relationship with God that sustains me from day to day, provides the encouragement and support, but also it's that support system around me, people I can be real with and honest. And I need to tell people, this is what I'm feeling right now, and it's not really good right now. It was so cool the other day, I think I mentioned a good friend of mine in Atlanta, sadly his wife is dealing with what is probably terminal bone cancer. And uh, we met in college. It's a person who um, I, I've known all of his life. He spent years in ministry. And now in this season of life, he's watching a wife who is um, literally fading right before his eyes. And it's it's kind of interesting that uh, we've kind of reconnected more lately and had more conversations and prayers, encouragement. I, in fact, I reached out to him this morning. I remember a message I sent just the other day, and I, you know, part of what has to happen with all of us, we've got to have realistic expectations. We can't live in fantasy world. The other day, I sent a text to this friend of mine, said, how's life? Okay, not what I expected, but I know it's not what you hoped for either. And he asked another question about what was going on. And part of this is, you know, as someone challenged me, uh, a good part of life is dealing with disappointments. And how we deal with those determines how uh, what our quality of life is going to be. And that's... Um, I can tell you, I think I'm much more equipped now than ever in my life to deal with disappointment. Having said that, uh, there are some positive things that are going on that I'm very encouraged by. Just, you know, it's amazing to me. God sends people around you at just the right times for what you need. And that's another important part about this. Not only do you need to reach out, but you, you, your heart and your mind have to be open to receiving from people. And, and for us guys, this is a challenging area because a lot of us are way too independent in our minds for reality. And we've got to put down this old people, just tough it up mentality and start being real. If things are not well, you don't have to tell the whole world. But you should be able to tell someone. 
what's really going on. And again, I remind you of that number in a crisis situation, 988. So coming up, I'm going to share with you the social media post from a friend of mine. I think this social media post is gold. In fact, I'm going to have this friend of mine on this show sometime to share his thoughts about life and things he's learned in recent years on, on so many things. This young man is is just a good thinker, and you'll understand why when I share this social media post coming up. A mighty fortress is our God's name of that song that I was quoting from about let goods and kindred go this mortal life also there's got to be a mindset by which we are not moved I mean this this is ultimately what God is doing I'm speaking what he's doing in me and what he wants to do in all of us so we're not moved by circumstances we're gonna get hit left and right we stand firm and the people I see in my life who have demonstrated that, I so appreciate it. Like this friend that I mentioned who's gradually losing his wife. I just cannot imagine what that's like. This morning just sharing about um, just a new stage of loneliness you enter because that person can't do what they were able to do before. It's a, it's a totally different world when you're a couple and all of a sudden you lose a spouse for whatever whatever reason. It's a whole new ballgame altogether. I promise we'll get to this story about the health issues and I will touch on this. I do want to share the social media post from my friend Richard. We've had just some extraordinary conversations. Uh, the times I've run into him in recent weeks... It's really absolutely awesome. Uh, I love to watch people grow. And that's what I feel like I have experienced just by, uh, you know, so many social media posts are just trash. People just posting all kinds of stupid stuff. <laughs> One of my favorite posts for humor purposes. Somebody was pointing out, yes, Beyonce's got this new video out. Great. That's wonderful. Let's move on. <laughs> Some of the stuff you're just sick of. I, I love when people share real stuff about their real lives, not just showing off that, you know, they've gone to a certain place or whatever, but they open up and share about what's going on inside. Richard posted this on social media the other day. The I got my own, I make a lot of money so I don't have to do the necessary inner work to maintain a healthy relationship with my partner attitude has left a lot of men old, rich, and lonely. I cannot understand for the life of me why a lot of women think the same attitude is going to work in their favor. Your achievement ain't going to wipe your rear end and pick up your medicine when you're old and gray. Men and women alike need to stop that blank. <laughs> this is a man who I believe is wise beyond his years. He gets it. I really, to be honest with you, I'm, I do fear for a lot of men and women who are going to find themselves in this very place 
What have I really invested in all these years? Relationships kind of, you know, they're not really a priority. Getting stuff is the priority. Then in the end, who are you going to share it with? It's God himself who said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I do not take that lightly at all. Thought I would share that with you. I hope that was as inspirational to you as it was to me. <laughs> Quickly, I do want to touch on this outbreak because I want to make you aware that the issue we talked about in China and in Europe, it's here. UK Daily Mail, now Massachusetts, says it's being hit by a wave of pneumonia in children as Ohio County issues white lung warning after China and Europe saw a surge in cases and hospitalizations. Doctors in parts of Massachusetts and Ohio reporting a spike in child pneumonia cases similar to the outbreak spreading in China and parts of Europe. In Warren County, just 30 miles outside of Cincinnati, the city of my birth, that other Queen City. There have been 142 pediatric cases of the condition, dubbed White Lung Syndrome, since August. A figure health officials there described as extremely high. The health department saying not only is this above the county average, it also meets the Ohio Department of Health definition of an outbreak. E, that's not a word we like to hear, is it? Meanwhile, in western Massachusetts, Physicians seeing a whole lot of walking pneumonia, a milder form of the lung condition caused by a mixture of bacterial and viral infections. Neither outbreak caused by a novel pathogen. Not all of the pneumonia cases are being caused by the same infection. Experts say a mixture of several seasonal bacterial and viral bugs are hitting at once, putting pressure on hospitals. Raising fears, the outbreak that's overwhelmed hospitals in China could indeed hit the US this winter we hope and pray that is not the case but I want you to be aware as you are out and about very quickly let's go to a look at the day in history total of nine items we will zip through the presidential election goes to the house no candidate got a majority of the electoral college votes wouldn't be interesting if that happens next year mm. 1878, the first telephone installed at the White House. Alexander Graham Bell did it himself. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. 1913, here's a question for you, Bernie. Mm -hmm. The assembly line for this automaker started. Who was the automaker? What was his name? 1913 was the year. Would it be Henry Ford? You are absolutely correct. Right. That was one of his um, things that he got started. Uh, 1942, rationing of this very important item went into effect in the U.S. It's something that's definitely needed for vehicles in the U.S., um, but also on the battleground. They've got to, they've got to have this in order to run. Is this uh, gasoline? It's fuel. fuel. Got to have fuel. Uh, 1955, this woman made history for not giving her seat up on a bus. Oh, Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, indeed. 1959. This year we saw a horrible movie. I've not seen it, so I can't speak to it. It's probably trash. 
Mattel registered a trademark for this character. Oh, it's got to be Barbie. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it either, but you said Mattel and... Nineteen sixty nine, the US holds its first draft lottery since nineteen forty two. Nineteen ninety, British and French crews start digging the Channel Tunnel Connect, also known as the Channel. And two thousand one, this airline made its final flight. They flew for seventy six years. Three letters. Do you know what those three letters are? Oh my gosh. The uh, airline they had um a crash that was a fire. Um, one of the last things you'll, that put them in the news. You'll have to just go ahead and tell me. TWA oh, is TWA. the name of the airline. Oh, right. Final flight in 2001. That's all the time we have, folks. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on the broadcast today. Lord willing, we're back on Monday at the same time. In the meantime, unplug, have yourself a restful weekend, and uh, be safe out there. God bless you. <laughs>